Isolation. Isolation. That's the topic. Do you like being by yourself? I am. I am. And so I've, I've struggled with this whole idea of introversion and extroversion. Right. Um, and growing up, I would take the Myers-Briggs uh, tests and I have taken them even in professional environments in the past couple of years. And I think I've always been clearly an E for right. extroverted. Like but, if you if you had to pick which bucket you fall into, right? Um, and and many people assume that I'm an extrovert uh, in some ways. I am outgoing in some ways. Um, I do have my moments of severe introversion, and I also have my moments of I need a break or my my gas tank is empty. I I think everybody those does. Sure, sure. The my um, I mean my understanding of introversion and extroversion is is we all have a set point for what level of stimulus stimulation we prefer. And if you have too much of that, then you're kind of running on battery power. You need a break. If you have too little of that, you're bored. Uh, but it's what I've, and so the way I've sort of bucketed introverts and extroverts is extroverts have a higher level, have a higher set point. They just, they, you know, what they consider normal is higher than introverts that tend to have a lower level of preferred stimulation. So in that case, you know, what extroverts consider normal introverts would consider a little bit much and, and vice versa. Yeah. And, and I, I tend to want to stay at the party longer. Right. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're, that doesn't mean you have a a bottomless well of social battery, but that, that sounds like an extrovert to me. Yeah. And I I have very long goodbyes. (laughs) That's well, (laughs) I take a very long time to say goodbye to every situation. Like walking out of a plane, I stop and want to really profusely thank the uh, flight staff. Like in the aisle. It's like, no, sir, you wait. (laughs) <laughs> this, this lady yeah. gave me peanuts no that's that's uh that's actually probably the one time that i am quick to say goodbye um no and and so this whole notion of being isolated um is it first of all i don't feel isolated because for, i'm with my husband and i'm with our dog and i'm with my phone <laughs> <laughs> i've thought about that like how different this is now that we all have these rectangles that basically bring us, you know, a constant stream of, uh, speaking of stimulation of like stimulating content. Uh, I was going to say entertainment, but it's not exactly entertainment. Like it's, it's that plus news plus, you know, messages from your friends. Plus it's, you know, it's everything. Um, and no one had this in the past. In fact, a lot of the, uh, excerpts I've read about of people who took journals during like the you know the 20 uh, the 1918 uh spanish flu uh but also like you know the the plague and things like that is people going crazy for lack of any communication because like the post the postal system would stop delivering and so you'd have you just have no ins and outs basically right uh and so people were just like all right well i guess we'll like i don't know read the three books we own again or, you know, like, like what, what are you going to do? You got nothing. Whereas we have this incredible luxury where not only do we have communication with anyone in the world, we have access to, you know, the best entertainment in the world and everything else. Yeah. And, and, and it's, so it's, and I, I feel very fortunate on, on many dimensions of, of this whole situation. Um, uh, one of, one of which not in any particular order, but one of, one of the areas where I feel very fortunate is I don't have any young children that I have mm. to take care of. Um, and 
so I don't quite feel, I mean, this whole pandemic has felt surreal. It's felt bizarre. Um, it's, there've been moments of anxiety, moments of sadness, moments of frustration. Um, and that's just watching a Trump press conference. Hey, oh, no. <laughs> uh, and, but I haven't necessarily felt isolated. Yeah. Well, one of the things I... At all. Like, that's not one of the... I well, there's a difference that. between, like, isolation... Okay, let's try to create some definitions for the difference between isolation... This is not a dictionary show. Loneliness and solitude. Because those are all very... Mm. Those, are, those are, you know, related but independent concepts. Because loneliness... You can feel lonely in a, in a crowd. And you can feel... Sure. Um, whereas solitude, I think of as... You are by yourself, but you might be perfectly happy there. I feel like the definition of solitude is just, are you, are you by yourself, right? Whereas yeah. loneliness is more of a mental state. It's, it's a lack of connection, regardless of, of how, you know, what proximity other people are to you. Yeah, I remember being an angsty teenager and being surrounded by my large family and right? feeling lonely Who at moments. just don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... I mean, as Britney Spears, our, our great poet laureate, uh, once said, uh, this loneliness is killing me. Wait, hit me baby one more time? Yes. So, so wait, but, but, then, but then we have isolation. So what is isolation? Because isolation to me anyway, it, how is the isolation different than solitude? Isolation is um, being separated. So w w one of my friends, he, he, he wanted to change the nomenclature around this, and he put something on uh uh, an Instagram story that was, we shouldn't call it social distancing. We should call it physical distancing. Yeah. I think uh, I read a version of that. We, yeah. Because we we're, we're the, together. We're social. Yeah. But we just can't, we can't be in the li same literal space. Yeah. The same physical space. I have a good friend who lives in my apartment building and we have gone on walks together and stayed six feet apart. <laughs> um, and we've been on, Stay on you your know, side of the street. Yeah. We're on group. Uh, group video chats and other chats and everything else and we just haven't been in the same room together right, right? Um, and I don't feel isolated from him I feel I still feel connected to him so I, it, it's this in fact I mean they're, they're, they're you know it's it's during a pandemic and uh, during a quarantine is when you reach out to different people and, and, and I've been in more regular contact with certain people in my life than I had been for years. Right. Yeah. Why is that? Because you could have called your, you know, uh, whatever your your uh, college roommate any old time. But there's something about, I think there's something about the shared experience. There's something about the, the fact that it is a, um, I'm going to say hardship. Although, what I really mean is, it's an experience we're all going through. And for some people, it's a great hardship. And for some people, it's you know, a mild inconvenience and everything in between, but, it, but nevertheless, it's a, it's a, um, okay, here's a theory. We've talked, we've talked before about how, you know, the monoculture of, of the 20th century has, has fractured, has splintered into a million subcultures on the internet. So there is less and less that is a shared experience, right? There aren't three network broadcasts and everybody watches the same news at night and so on. Um, but this is a thing where everybody has an experience of it. 
right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean to everybody make light around of, the world. Exactly, it is a genuinely global experience, and it's not to make light of like you know differences in uh, what the experience is for people who who have more or less means or are you know have you know, like it's it's not an equalizer necessarily, but it is a thing that everybody's experiencing. Yeah, and I do feel just a quick thing on that on how it's it is an equalizer, but it's not that everybody's having the same experience. There has been quite the backlash against a certain vein or a certain style or flavor of celebrity um, who is, you know, experiencing this, you know, has to be forced to, to be uh, staying home during this, uh, but is in a very plush yeah. you know, home environment. They're in a, they, yeah, they're in a comfortable spot. And their fans don't want to hear them sing along to imagine all the people <laughs> you, you uh, don't say that was a that was a tonal misstep maybe uh <laughs> well it's a tonal misstep in in more than one way yeah a lot of this boils down to sick people need health care tired people need rest poor people need money hungry people need food that like that's kind of it and it's like we don't need like yeah uh, songs from celebrities i'm not saying those are without value but that's like for the people who need entertainment. Like, okay, that's kind of, that's like, that's not exactly at the top of the list. What we have now are, you know, the lack of, um, you know, protective equipment for healthcare workers or the lack of, uh, you know, um, people who've lost their jobs and things like that. Like those are the urgent real problems. It's, it's lead follower, get out of the way for right. these real urgent, critical well, human it's, it's, problems. It's, it's, uh, it's never before has the the concept of essential been so. Oh yeah, that, I mean, it that's that's a that's a remarkable right. Clarifying is a good word. That's a remarkable revelation, so to speak, of like what does it really take to keep things running? It's like oh, it turns out delivery guys are really important. Yeah, you know, it turns it turns out that like warehouse workers, everyone in the logistics supply chain, is is really important. Well, well, and what is essential when you're isolated is different than what is essential in general. You know what I mean? Like we've all curtailed beha- lots of behavior that would otherwise be a, 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 an important part of life. But we're like, all right, well, if I'm staying home, I don't need, you know, I don't need my dancing shoes. You know what I mean? Like I don't need, I, a lot I don't of, know what you're doing, but well, <laughs> maybe you're doing, yeah. some of us staying home do still need our dancing shoes. That's a bad example, but you know what I mean? I, you, you don't need, um, the things that you don't need your, your tuxedo right now. You don't need your tuxedo right now. Right. You don't need your costumes. You don't need, you don't your, need your opera glasses. It's really weird to be on a video call with like upper management, the CEO, the, you know, the heads of various departments. And a lot of people are in hoodies and these are not, <laughs> these are not hoodie people. These are not people who would ever, ever wear hoodies in the office. And yet, you know, not everybody, not everybody combed their hair this morning. Uh, like this, that's the point after three weeks, that's all it took three weeks. And, yeah. and, and, and everything broke down everything. Well, I also think it's fascinating how long, okay. How long does it take before something becomes, before you get used to something? And what I mean by that is where changing back to whatever the other way was is more, is more difficult than keeping it the way it is. You know what I mean? I remember the rule of thumb was always like, it takes two weeks to develop to develop a new habit is that okay so i think i i had heard three but weeks or sure something like that exactly who knows applicable here but because i've been hearing that now like i can't imagine 
going back to the office five days a week. Right. And I everybody think... going back to the office five days a week when we have been working remote for right. a month. And it's that's, that's what everybody's fairly well. Yes. That's what everybody's saying is, you know, wait, we have to do what now? We have to like, we have to go, we have to go back to the, to the office. We have, we just have to go back to the office like every day. Yeah. Like, and it's one thing if you're you and you have a commute that's, let's just say, let's just bucket it as less than 30 minutes, right? There's, there's virtually no way where for you getting to the office takes more than 30 minutes, right? Yeah. And then there's people where it's like, you know, call it 30 minutes to an hour, which I would think is what most, what, what, what is very, uh, very commonly thought of as a reasonable commute, right? It takes 45 minutes, whatever. But then there's people, multiple people, where it's an hour and a half or more every day, one way. And like, can you imagine, like, for those people to, to tell them after, they, after they've been getting back, you know, two, three, four hours a day that they weren't on the train. Like, that's a, the longer this goes on and the longer that companies continue to function, like, one of the reasons we are very, for, you and I are very fortunate is that we work for a company that is continuing to operate under these conditions. Yeah. Not, not every industry can do that. Not every company can do that. But right now, our customers are still in business. They're still doing what they do that causes the company we work for to, to get paid. So everything's a version of everything is still working. So the longer that that's normal, so, so from a inward looking point of view, everything's, everything's normal-ish. Right. It's, you know what right. I mean? It's like, it's, it's still functional. Whereas if you're, if you worked for a restaurant and the restaurant's now closed and you and a hundred of your coworkers are out of business, that's a very different situation. You know, you're looking at all kinds of contingencies. It's, it's not really a, a, a make it work under these conditions. It's more like your conditions have changed. I just think well, that's, that's quite a divide. We're all experiencing this thing, but there's a huge difference between, um, okay, we're all now working from home versus, yeah, you don't have a job now. And we don't know when you, when, when we'll be back. Like, that's the thing that is so different between, or, okay, so there's three categories. There might be more, but roughly speaking, we're all experiencing this, but in three, at least three different buckets. Bucket number one is you lost your job. Good luck, right? Unemployment, et cetera. That's why the unemployment number is like, you know, 3 million people are applying for unemployment or whatever. No, 6 million. Now it's 10 million. Okay. Total. But it's measured in the millions, right? Yeah. So that's bucket one, lost your job. Bucket number two is uh, keep your job, but it is now a hazardous thing to do. Mm. That's you. That's like grocery store delivery people, anyone in retail, like anyone who has where your medical job. Professionals. What's yeah. that? Yeah, medical. medical exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There are a lot of medical professionals now who are being pressed into service. Where you know you you were just you were in the hospital doing some specialty. Now you're now you're just participating in this onslaught of of. Uh, COVID cases. Um, so, okay. So the first one is you lost your job. The second group is your job has become hazardous. And the third group is your job. You, you've been mildly inconvenienced, right? Which is what the, which is the best one to be in or, or not the best, but you know, the, the, the most, uh, comfortable. No, it's the best. It's it's the best. The best. Yeah, I know. I, I, I guess, I guess if, every, if everyone had a choice, this is the one you'd be in, um, where you have a job and it's just a little bit weird. Yeah. And, and then there's even within that category three of, you have a job and it's just a little bit weird. There's some who are maybe doing better now. 
I guess, right. They don't have a long commute. That's a subgroup, right, where it's like... They don't have uh, kids that they have to homeschool. (laughs) uh, And so they have more time for relaxation and sleeping and exercise and The homeschool, to be perfectly honest, is the... It's not. It's not literally the schooling part. It's not the homeschooling part. It's the. It's the fact that all day, every day, all of us are in the same building. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like we're all we're all in the same room, and so it's yeah, sco- one room schoolhouse. Yeah, right. And it's like okay, so you see all these these like memes on online where it's like, oh, I now think teachers should be paid a million dollars a year, and it's like, sure, but part of the reason why teachers can do what they do is because they go home. And I think this is important for anybody who has an intense job, and I I consider teaching a very intense job. You go do the intense thing, and then you go home, and you you reset, and you rest, and then you come back, and you do it the next day. And so you you have this kind of on-off rhythm, right? Boundaries. Exactly. Whereas, and then parenting is similar in that you're a parent 24 hours a day, which is relentless, but occasionally you get a break. And one of those breaks is when the kids go to school. This is why being like newborns are one of the hardest times is because it's genuinely relentless. You know, you're, you're the newest at it. You don't have a lot of muscle memory and they're there all the time. And there's virtually, there's very little relief unless you have like a, you know, a parent or a, a nurse or somebody who can like, who can give you that relief. But everybody, all humans need relief. You need some kind of rhythm to give you a break from whatever the thing is that's burdensome to you. And, and that's what makes, that's what makes everyone able to continue on is that you, that you have this kind of rhythm. And so I think it's less how heavy of a lift it is to, 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 um, educate your kids. And it's more about the fact that they're always there. <laughs> they're always there. And like, it's like, as soon as their school day is done, it's like, they just came home and now they want their activities or now they want to watch TV or now they want to play with their friends or now they want to do whatever. And it's just like, meanwhile, we have to do our jobs too. It's just all the things all at the same time. And that's, that's, that's what makes it the f- ironic that during this time of quote unquote isolation, it's the opposite. It's like forced assembly. I read somewhere that one of the problems couples are having even couples who like each other is that you don't get to miss each other. Right. You don't have the like, see you later, honey. Right. I can't, can't wait to see you. It's like, yeah, we've been seeing you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Distance <laughs> makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. All right. What's the next topic? Turning 40. Turning 40. That's the topic. Uh, I have, I have good friends that we go for the past several years. We've gone on an annual trip uh, somewhere around the world. And this year too, the friends are turning 40 one day apart. So we had planned for our trip to coincide with their birthday this year, which is in uh, mid-June. Hmm. And we were planning to go to Peru. And uh, a couple months ago, one of our friends was still saying, was still thinking that we would go there, right? Yeah. That, that this well, a couple months ago, would... a trip to Peru seemed uh, like a possibility. <laughs> and I said, it's adorable that you think we're still going nah. to Peru. And I think I really... Uh, crushed his this is this is back I, when we were reading about like the reports of of things happening in china yeah and, and you were and, saying and the, we were probably going to get here yeah there, there's two different camps there those who were in the camp of like just choose not chose not to believe the right sort of the denial because yeah. because the and, reality and, that it would actually be a global pandemic seemed crazy and scary 
Yeah, or that it couldn't happen here, or right. somehow it wouldn't be that bad. I was like, oh, it's adorable you think that this trip in June is still happening. And so he has now uh, claimed that he is has officially moved his 40th birthday to 2021. I, I Honestly, I think a lot of people are doing that. Like, I've seen a lot of people um, celebrating, you know, kids' birthdays virtually, and it's like, it's like there's a good, like, uh, adventurous spirit, but it's also sad. It's, right. you know, it's just like, happy birthday too. <laughs> or I actually, you know, it, it's adventurous spirit, but I think the first, the first few times that you see the videos of people doing the drive by in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and you drive, drive the car by in a parade, uh, roll down the window and like cheer happy birthday for the, per- for the kid who's standing out on their lawn. Right. And that's really cute and sweet. And that's cute and sweet in like March and maybe April and then. I don't know. Uh, like, are we May, still doing this in June? It's, it's like, ugh, are we still doing the, the drive-by thing? Yeah. Well, but you could say that about a lot of stuff where there's a novelty aspect, but what happens when this becomes the norm? It's like, right. okay, so now we're celebrating birthdays in this way? I don't know. Right. <laughs> like, right. What, like, what is this? Well, that's interesting, though, too, is like, what, what will become, you know, what will become the new habits that will will say, hey, you know what? Even though we had we did this to adapt to this global pandemic, that was a that was an improvement on how we were doing things before. The so one let's that, keep that. The one that keeps coming up is is something that's already the case in Asian countries, which is anyone who's sick should be wearing a mask. Yeah, all you know as a precaution. Right. When um, you're out, out and when about. You're out. Yeah. Um, or you know we should all be washing our hands a lot more, and that hopefully that'll just become part of the sure the norm. Um, or maybe we shouldn't shake hands in general. We should come up with another way of greeting people. Like a bow. Um, or more remote work will become you know, the norm. So that's actually one, that that's the norm that I think is going to be very interesting because y- it's not perfect, but there's a, there's a lot to like. And a lot of companies were just forced to recognize how possible it is. So, right. But but okay. Well, let's put let's put all those aside though. Those because right. I want to get to something a little bit different than the economic impacts or the you know the the commercial norms that that are maybe being established or reestablished now. And I want to get more to like the kind of cultural norms uh, or adaptations uh, that are happening in a right. time of uh, right. So those cultural adaptations I think exist in you know leisure and celebration and the more kind of fuzzy aspects of humanity. And that's what I think is fascinating is how do people, you know, entertain each other? How do people celebrate milestones? Yeah. You know, because well, you can what say do, your what fr- do rituals look like right. moving forward. Exactly. What do rituals look like? Now, your friend can say, you know, screw you guys. I am punting this to next year. And that's his 40th I, birthday. His 40th birthday. Yeah. And I think that's legitimate. I, if anything, I encourage that. I think that's perfectly fine. But... What about something that happens on a monthly basis and we're doing this, we're in this scenario for multiple months? Or maybe that's a bad example. Maybe something that happens on a weekly basis and we're in this for multiple months. And so you've got like 12 weeks in a row where you have to adapt to something. You know what I mean? It's like something where it's long enough that you can't just kick the can down the the street. Yeah. Going going to weekly mass via Facebook Live or Zoom or what have you might kind of work for a little bit it might be cute you know and and it's interesting but it's as soon as you know restrictions lift up and as as soon as the danger is passed i think people are going to be like let's go go back to church have you seen that thing where they like um like 
they like a quote unquote like pass something between the zoom screens and it's like you like i saw one where it's like the you know it was a group of people and they all had like a pet and so it'd be like they do the thing where it it looks like they're holding the 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 dog and then they pass it up out of frame and the next part but the person in the frame directly above them like pulls it up from the bottom of the frame so it looks like yeah. they're passing I think it. your hand motions are going to read gonna, really well translate, right? onto this anyway to this podcast so uh, my, my question is that 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 trick where you can look like you're well, passing kind of like it, in the, the Brady Bunch opening yeah they exactly look up at each other right but in this case it's like you're passing an object so my question is if i attend mass remotely can the priest do communion like that like he can pass it pass the wafer down through the bottom of the frame and i can i can take it i can like take it from him is that how that works I, that, that is that is not how that works the zoom doesn't isn't something come up in the catechism i think the frequency of communication has um increased and that's probably a positive mm-hmm. i think people are texting group ch- texting video chatting much more regularly with more people oh, than they yeah, would yeah yes but I have noticed, even in just the three weeks when we've been doing this, or three and a half weeks now, there has been a tonal shift, at least one, even multiple tonal shifts in the group chats that I and and we have been on. Because we are on multiple group chats, or or text strings or whatever. And it's like, the first week they were like, they had kind of a a certain energy, and the second week they had a different energy, and the third week they had like, and like even now it's like, now it's the fourth week, and it's like, okay, the energy's, like the energy keeps shifting. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's, it's weird. Like, and there's like a normalization of this though. Like, you know what I mean? Like everyone's kind of g- getting used to it is the wrong term, but it's like Adopt, adapting, uh, adapting. And, and, right. And, and human beings are, I, I said this in the first week or two. It's like, I, you know, human beings are amazingly resilient and amazingly adaptive and right. we can get used to new circumstances and new patterns and, and whatnot. I think the, the frustrating uh, aspect of me, especially initially, was the uncertainty about what what is the new normal that I have to get used to, right? And, wrap my head and, and what things are just and, temporary. And what's the duration, right? Yeah, of this. That, new that, the lack of clarity around the duration is fascinating because it's not so much that like three weeks is that much different from three months, although it is. But if you knew for sure, I think most people would re- prefer. Uh, I know for sure this is going to take three months, but then it's over, over. It might be three weeks and it might be six weeks and it might be three months and it might be six months and it might be 12 months. And we just don't know, but it might, and it might, might be over tomorrow. Like most people want certainty more than they want brevity. Right. Right. And it's, that's certainty over brevity, I think is, is a really key insight. And I think that, you know, the, the idea of if you had a prison sentence, uh, and you knew what it was definitively, then you could wrap your head around it and you could kind of you can adapt. prepare. You could adapt. Um, but if you are just put in jail and you're awaiting trial, and right. it could go on for months and months and months. But and that un- and even if that un- even if your prison sentence is measured in years and your and your jail the time your time in jail is measured in days or weeks or months, it's almost like the jail time's worse. Yeah. Beca- because you don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, here, here I am talking about something I have no experience with. So, <laughs> but so anyway, so we are all adapting, but it's not like we're adapting like, uh, 
you know, you move to another country and you live here now, so you have to adapt. It's more like we're adapting to something, but we don't know how, we don't, we don't know how permanent these adaptations need to be. Right. right? Should we be like just putting up a tent or should we be re- remodeling the kitchen? You know, it's like, these are, right. these are, there are very different considerations here. It's like, I wouldn't recommend a remodel job right now. No. Just... So your birthday's in the fall. Hopefully. We the quest, that's the question. The yeah. question is, do you know something I don't know? No. Okay. Uh, I, I do know that we are unlikely to have a vaccine by then. Correct. So what is the, like, cause so, well, we, we won't so what does the world look maybe, like? Yeah. Are we, uh, are we, are we going to, uh, to celebrate it at a restaurant wearing face masks? <laughs> like, what? like really? I don't know. I don't either. Um, yeah, what? No, no. Okay. And, and I'm, not, it, I'm not, first of all, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm not, uh, if, of all the things, um, I'm least worried about is how I'm going to celebrate my 40th birthday. Like what? That, to me. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Cause it's one of those things that it, I've, like you and a lot of other people in my life have, have been asking me for a while now, like, what are my plans? What do I want to do? We get it. You're popular. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, but I, and I, I've had some crazy ideas or thoughts here and there. Tell us some of your crazy ideas. No, I'd prefer not to. Tell us one of your crazy ideas. No. Tell us one of the things that you wouldn't do, but it has occurred to you, even if it's a terrible idea. No. If... Your birthday were were coming up, and you knew you had reasonably you 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 were, <clears throat> and you had you could reasonably assume that it would be during a our, our time of quarantine. What would you do? Mm. Well, I mean, it, it, it's there are so many hypotheticals that, like, I don't know what what are the restrictions, what are the parameters. So, I'm just, I don't I I I don't I um I'm I'm sure I will acknowledge and celebrate my birthday in a way befitting <laughs> no I, I mean it, it will bring together uh, people i care about and want to connect with them right but i haven't even though i've been thinking about it for some time and i've known that this birthday is coming i haven't really quite wrapped my head around the implications you of... seem unmoved by this as as an event or a ritual or a celebration <sighs> that's not true and I think okay. as it gets that's closer, why I'm saying you it, seem that way. Yeah, no, but I, it might I, not I, actually. And I'm like, so I don't think I fully wrap my head around what it means to be 40. <laughs> well, that's kind and of what I'm getting at. Like, you know, when you're a kid, that feels like an old age. Like, yeah. I don't mean old age, like elderly. I mean, just it feels old in a way that being in your 20s is not. Yeah, it, it's traditionally you know over the hill, right? There's all the tropes around that, but it's also sort of like what's the what really what's the difference between 38 and 42? Uh, you know, it's. Right. Yeah. No. It's. It's. Um. I mean, same back pain. Um. Uh. Kind of situations. No. I. I. You take start taking Centrum Silver rather than regular Centrum. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, you you get different uh, Instagram targeted ads. Yeah. I I have been getting. Regularly, so I get I get um hipster shoe. Well, I get, of course, but I get shoe advertising, which is fine. Like you know, different kinds of shoes. But I also get insoles. So I think it's I think people are assuming the overlap between shoes and woodworking is like a guy who's on his feet all day and therefore might want these orthotic insoles. I don't know. It, 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 I'm the wrong target audience, but I keep getting them. Uh, I mean, 
Those algorithms are not wrong, though. No. Trust them. Well, I do, I do not trust them. Anyway. <laughs> uh, no, I... You haven't so put... It's, you, it's, haven't, you haven't thought much about it. I, I mean... So my mother was 40 when she had me. Is that right? Yeah. And my, my father, I think, was 43 okay. uh, then when, when I was born. So I think this turning 40 is... I've thought about it a lot. Okay, that's the time that... And that, that's the age that my mother was and now the, uh and my mother is you know thriving now and right and and, and uh i don't know what it, it, it's it's also um what will the next i think the the future feels so far away mm. still and it's weird to to think about what the world will look like in five years. First of all, it's it's weird to think about. Let me take a It's the future is so far away, and it's weird to think about what the world will look like. Let's say, you know, uh, God willing, I live another forty years, another fifty years. Um, that's I can't even kind of anticipate what the world of uh, you know twenty forty or twenty fifty or. Uh, 2060 or 2070 might look like right and it's also i can't imagine what the world five years from now will look like in part because i can't even imagine what the world five months from now will look like right we We, happen to be in a scenario where it's very difficult to predict the future yeah and and so because i can't predict the world or i don't have i don't think i have the right mental model refined yet for what the state of the world will look like I don't have the right mental model for what my life should look like or might look like hmm. um, within that new world that's coming, right? And uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll still be, no matter what, I'll still be telling like bad puns. Yeah, but it, it becomes endearing at some point because Grandpa Brian is telling wait, bad wait, puns. Wait, 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 wait. Let me stop you right there. It, it will become endearing. Or you, you meant to say I, that I was, can you, only hope. It, let's take that again because you meant to say it'll continue to be as endearing it'll as it's always been. It'll stop being as punishing as it has been because I'll be dead by then and young people won't be able to do anything about it. Um, one thing I think is interesting is 40 does seem to be... Everyone talks about it being over the hill, right? And no, I think I, I think... There's, there are the cultural tropes around it being over the hill. And a large part of that comes from, um, I remember seeing a graph one time looking at, um, I forget what it, what it, what it was measuring, but it was something like the, the overall health of di- people who had different lifestyles. Um, it was like, uh, you know, your people who are smokers versus non-smokers or people who exercise regularly versus who didn't and so on. And, in the 20s, the, the different groups are all very similar, right? People who exercise or don't exercise or smoke or don't smoke or have, you know, whatever, are all, you know, you're in your 20s. So everyone's relatively healthy. And then in, the, in, the, and then in your 30s, they start to diverge a little bit. And then between like 40 and 50, you know, the smokers fall off a cliff. The people who exercise sort of like continue to glide uh, mm. at, at, you know, they, yeah, yeah, your health declines a little bit, but it's very slowly. And then whatever the the middle group is, it's like somewhere in the middle, but it's like, I think it's less about going over the hill. It's more like 
unless you're taking care of yourself, your habits and decisions are going to catch up with you. This is the time at which those decisions catch up with you. Whereas before you were a little bit more invincible. Yeah. So I went to, it was three years ago, I went to my 15, uh, 15 year college reunion. Okay. And so there was a bunch of 37 year olds. Okay. Okay. Roughly. And some of the people looked. Sorry, you said high school reunion. Nope, college reunion. College, okay. Right. So they're 37-year-olds. And uh, some of the people looked 37. And some of the people looked, you know, they could pass for 32, 31. Sure. Right? Every, everybody was clearly in their 30s. So right. <laughs> no one's looking that. like it. That's a yeah. work done. No, no, no one could be, no, none of us could have been cast as a, uh, in Saved by the Bell or in <laughs> right. the 210 right. uh, reunion, right? Um, but then there are some people who were 37 and looked 50. Right. Looked 50. It was a hard, and they just, it was a hard 37. It was a hard 37. And I think that's just going to accelerate and continue to accelerate. Just people who just did not take care of themselves or, as you said, smokers or, uh, or people who just don't exercise at all. And, and there there's something that that you could get away with it when you're younger and had right. metabolism and everything else. And then it just kind of catches up to you. So I think like, I feel like I'm in a good place mentally, physically, emotionally for how it's turned 40. So I feel good about the person I will be on the other side of this. But, um, I think more of my anxiety is around, uh, what, what will the world look like? And yeah. So how you're saying I, if, if the world were, stable yeah if, but not fine. only if it's stable but you, no matter what the world will look like and how how will i find my place in that world and how will i uh, uh do my best or uh do my duty i realized that when I, was, I started segueing into maybe from muscle memory uh the the scout oath oh, right. <laughs> on my honor i'll do my best to do my duty to god and my country to help other people at all times to keep myself physically strong mentally awake and morally straight um, morally straight morally straight and i think i mean i am 1000 percent not straight but i i think i am morally straight i think i'm oh, more yeah. morally straight than a lot of uh heterosexual people out there i i'm i'm pretty sure that moral straightness is an independent dimension to uh <laughs> to romantic or sexual straightness yeah yeah okay what's the next topic dollar stores dollar stores so the thing about dollar stores is not everything in there is a dollar. I find that hard to believe. I find it, well, I guess I find it just as hard to believe that anything is a dollar. I remember as a kid, it felt, you know, uh, a candy bar or a soda was, was 50 cents. And so a dollar felt like something that you buy something with. And, I, you know, nowadays it's like, what, what are you really going to get for a dollar? I feel like they need to change it because I get the dollar store, at least when we were growing up, was kind of like the modern version of like the the five and ten. Right. The the, from from our parent or grandparents generation where it's like a general store where everything's pretty cheap. And for a handful of coins, you can go buy something. So then they had the dollar store. But then, you know, inflation. And it's like, well, what can you really get for a dollar? So now it's like, oh, everything's I feel like they should go back to calling it the five and ten. Only it's five and ten dollars. That's interesting. But I I think. I, I would counter that uh, the inflation has been tempered by how cheap things uh, that you might buy in a dollar store are 
today because of outsourced labor efficiency in production uh right so you, china. Can, you can you can right you can have china manufacture a lot of things for a dollar even you know yeah. even if it means ship, shipping them back over right as i understand it some economists argue that since opening up trade with china um, yes, it has displaced a number of jobs in traditional manufacturing sectors and other things, but the overall benefit is not just to uh, those employees or workers that are uh, part of industries that are exporting on net to China and other parts of the world, but also the fact that uh, goods are now so much cheaper for all people, so people's buying power is greater. Um, hmm. So uh, the, you know, the, the, the things you can buy at the dollar store, uh, the the cheap um, items you can buy at Walmart, um, are uh, are a kind of a result of these uh, trade policies. That yes, people have lost jobs, or people have in in very specific sectors, especially manufacturing, have um, depressed their wages because of uh, competition from low wage uh, companies overseas. The the, the trade off is that now you can go out and you can buy your, your dollar goes further, so to speak. So even though there is the increase in inflation over time, uh, the, the, the fact that these goods- It's offset by like- Cheap, cheap goods. Yeah, this reminds me As, of Especially the, the goods that you might buy at a dollar store. Well, right. So I think, I think what you're saying, you know, I, I can follow the logic in what you're saying. The difference I think is, you know, you see these charts where people talk about um, oh, you know, uh, how can you say, for example, that uh, it's harder, you know, wages are stagnant or it's or it's more difficult for um, poor people to live. Look at how much uh, cheaper TVs have gotten. Right. It's like, yeah, TVs have gotten way cheaper. That's true. But plot the cost of a cheap TV against the cost of like I don't housing, know, food, housing, medical, education, yeah, housing and healthcare, transportation, yeah. uh, utilities, all those things. And most of those things are flat to going up or sometimes they're going up by a lot. And yes, the one segment that has gone down in price is televisions. And in some degree, some some other consumer goods that are being influenced by uh, I think the a lot, dynamics I, I think a lot of about. consumer goods. So, uh, Nevertheless, okay, fine, consumer goods. But the point is... Housing, healthcare, things, and food probably right, have not... The things you have to buy to, to, to exist are, are beyond televisions and, and consumer goods. I think what's interesting is, to me, dollar store is... Um, it's almost a shrine of the thing you're talking about, where it's like, yeah. wow, look what can be done for a dollar. Or I'm also thinking about stores like um, like that store Jack's that was on uh, 40th Street or whatever, yeah. where it's not a dollar store, but it, it, I think it, almost, it, used to, it has the vibe of it one. It used to be called Jack's 99 Cent Store. Oh, is that right? And now okay. I think they just call and, it Just Jack's. Just Jack's. And it's, it's, but it's, it's arranged like a dollar store. And it, my reaction to everything in there is, wow, that is cheap. Yeah. Like it really, you know, at every price point, they might have something that's $30, but it's like, it might as well be like a TV for $30. You know, it's like, oh, I just had no idea you could get that thing for that price point. Yeah. I, I uh, almost exclusively bought my office Christmas decorations from Jack's. <laughs> right. Because there are a lot of situations where what you want is something that's disposable. Yeah. And I think that's interesting how much of our culture you know, there's there's all these sort of like competing concepts of like you want to have at the same time that, that you have people wanting things to be nicer and more luxurious and so on. Um, you also have a lot of rituals and, and circumstances where what you need is a cheap version of something. 
uh, it's almost like it's polarizing between like the stuff that's really like nice and you know you want to get your um, I don't know your extra good hipster brand of you know uh, expensive bags and and clothing and shoes and uh, cookware and so on all the like like high end premium mediocre Instagram ads that we're all seeing like for for like upper middle class professionals to buy like uh, the glamping version of of goods and then there's like yeah but you need christmas decorations you're not going to buy like the hipster ones because you're because you just need them for the office and you just need some tinsel like tinsel is tinsel or uh you just you just want the dollar store version so and those exist simultaneously right but so the dollar stores have also um have become huge businesses and uh in in you know in in the face of department stores and malls closing in, in the face of uh, Main Street, uh, Main Street mom and pop stores closing due to Walmart and other big box stores, dollar stores are actually uh, expanding and they're big business. Um, and there is something to, I think there's something to, I think there's research that shows that uh, you know, the, how, how demographics is- you, you can say that, you can say that sentence in front of any statement. Right. I think research has shown. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Uh, I think I think research has shown that you can say the sentence. I think it's in front of research has shown in front of any sentence. No, uh, but I I remember um, reading recently about uh, looking at uh, you can you can tell uh, political affiliations based on uh, how close that zip code is uh, to the number of uh, or the number of dollar stores. Uh, near that in that zip code versus Whole Foods in that you know and you can right. you can tell the political leanings which is which is it's a it's right it feels like it's a uh, uh so is that is that is that something different than just sort of like your socioeconomic uh group like is there is there a nuanced difference there or is it just like saying you know wealthier people or versus poorer people uh like is there like some sort of class element there that's not just economics. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think we might be stretching into. Have we, have have we waded in too deep? Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> what we could do some. What we need are some floaties, which you can buy at the dollar store, uh, real cheap at the well, dollar store. It, it, but actually, the point, but the, 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 the earlier point, you know, that I want to get back to is the dollar store is not where you buy something for life. The dollar store is where you, uh, it, like, you have you. I know that you are a fan of the Reddit, uh, the subreddit, buy it for life, and you, when you want to get, uh, uh, you know, uh, jackets, winter jackets, or you want to get uh, uh, AV equipment or things like that, you will look up and research something that you can and buy and have for a long time. So, what's the best belt that's going to last you for years? What's the best boot that's going to last you for years? What's the best winter jacket well, that'll last you for a long time? And I think that. Um, th- this is one way that our economy um, in some ways takes advantage of poor people is that they don't have the means to afford those higher quality goods uh, up front. So they, they end up spending more um, overall uh, because they I have think, to. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's called like something like the boot fallacy or no, it's not, not a fallacy. It's the boot. Um, uh, it's not paradox. It's not fallacy, whatever. It's, it's the, it's like the, the boot rule, which is the idea of like, the guy who can afford to buy the $500 boots uh, will have his last for 10 years, but the guy who has to buy the $100 boots has to buy a new pair every year. Right. So so before you know it, 
the poorer person has to pay more because they can't afford that five hundred dollars. Right, and the and that like that's a that's like a that's a fairly well known dynamic, and it's and it seems to be true. It seems to right. it seems to show up in lots of areas. And, and the the middle class to upper middle class person that can afford the car and the gasoline and uh, the Costco membership can go to Costco, load right. up. They have enough credit so they can buy right. things in bulk at a good price, and they can have their you know they you have storage they space storage, at your they house. have enough store they have an, enough of a real estate so they can store all this equipment and all these supplies um, whereas the the dollar store person you know has you know a, a little bit of money in cash and they can go out to the dollar store and get things and and yeah maybe it doesn't seem like they're they're not paying that much cuz it's you know each each trip is only you know 15 17 20 bucks or whatever it is uh, but they're spending a lot more uh, over time than the person who can afford to go to a Costco for example, sure. It, uh, have you? When was the last time you were in a dollar store? Are we counting? Are we counting jacks? Sure. No. Let's. Besides, besides jacks. I feel like dollar stores are not the something that I frequent. It's not. It's not. Some, you know, if you said when's the last time you were at a hardware store, my I, I kind of like. Um, I have a longer list. You know, it's like oh, that's a place I go to. That's a you know, it's something I feel some sort of uh, association with. When you say dollar store, I feel like oh, when was the last time I was. Um, you know, visiting a foreign city. Uh, you know what I mean? Like a, a dollar store is not for me. It's for other people, which mm-hmm. is just a, that's just like, that's just a, a statement of class, really. It's like saying like, oh, I'm better than them. But, you know, I, I tend to be in dollar stores when I'm in the market for a dollar store thing, <laughs> which is just not that often. You know right. what I mean? It's like, it's like when we're in Party City. It's like, I, I don't know, I guess the last time I needed uh, streamers. Um, but I think you and I went to a dollar store probably around Christmas looking for decorations or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, re- I remember as a kid going to a dollar store, I think my parents, we didn't really go to them. I think that we like, they kind of saw them as like um, <laughs> almost the way you would like view a casino. It's a little bit like, well, it's, it's just not prudent. It's not, um, it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Yeah. It's like, don't go there. Cause you'll end up spending money you don't have on a bunch of junk. And uh, they, cause they, they, they come from a, a fairly like, um, small, like financially conservative, not not politically conservative, but like, um, well, you know, you got to be careful with your money, kind of. Um, sure. Uh, point of view. Good. So it's Midwestern like, values. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like almost to a stereotype where it's just like, well, just you know, don't buy things you can't afford, and make sure you save up for it, and you want to avoid debt, and like all the all the kind of go to tropes there. Um, and so do- dollar stores was seen as like, um, like you said, like a trap. And so I remember going there once or twice as like a fun, it was almost like a fun activity. Like, like you know, grandma would take you there hmm. and it'd be like, okay, everybody, you know, every each person gets, you know, $3 or something like that. And you can get anything, oh, anything you yeah. want for $3. Yeah. Um, and that was, so that was like a fun thing, but it wasn't a regular, it was, wasn't a regular thing. And I remember going in college a couple of times. I think there, there was a dollar store. Um, you know, I went to NYU, so I assume there's like a dollar store in Manhattan. Um, I have I have memories of going to like the equivalent of a dollar store and uh, getting, you know, dollar store cookies, off brand, you know, off brand Oreos, mm-hmm. and you know the, the kind of things that as a college student you're just lucky you just you just feel you feel you feel fortunate to have cookies, right, um, or whatever. Um, dollar store like groceries are are, <laughs> are its own niche. Yeah. All right. What's the next topic? Class picture day. Class picture day. I think I am unique in saying this. I don't think this was an experience that any other person went through, but it would fill me with anxiety. You don't say. Yeah. 
Did you really think about it a lot? Because I remember not really. I you know I have plenty of plenty of memories of being anxious about different situations. This is not one I have a lot of anxiety uh, coded coded to or associated with. Mm, I have anxiety. I I. I, I remember I didn't do anything with that anxiety, right? It's not like I... I mean, what, when do you ever do anything with any anxiety? Well, that's... You just sort of just hold on to it. Right, but... <laughs> Power through. But I didn't uh, I, I didn't use it to really plan out my outfit or my uh -huh. hair or anything like Did that. Did you not plan out your outfit? I no. Mean, wouldn't that be, I don't, I, isn't that the only thing you can do? I guess so, uh, but I never did i don't think i think i just always felt wait you never you never did you just wore some, whatever you were going to randomly wear on that tuesday i don't have a clear recollection of what i did for like in the morning when i was a kid and i'm thinking now especially early elementary school and throughout about what did i wear that right. day I, i'm really thinking about like grades like third fourth and fifth yeah and i right it's like late late primary school uh, maybe middle school, something like that. No, not not middle school. I'm thinking, but I'm th yeah, of that age. I I don't know what my daily routine was of like opening up my dresser and getting dressed in the morning. I just I literally don't know how I did that, or I I, I just haven't tapped hmm. into that memory at all. Uh, and I don't think by I mean I was the youngest of seven kids, and I don't think my mom planned my outfits for me by any stretch. Because uh, <laughs> she had six six other children to deal with. Yeah. So there's a sorry. Is it? I have this right. There's eleven years between you and the oldest. Yeah. So that means when you're in third grade, you're about eight, which means the oldest is 19. Yeah, it was out. Yeah. So, and, and by that point. So, or, or, but just barely out of school or, you know. Yeah, it was out. He, 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 yeah, I think probably by that time, uh, probably the top, the oldest two but, were. But the point, regardless of whether like the very oldest or the oldest two even, you have children <laughs> along the entire spectrum of school ages and they're all going to different things. Yeah. You're right. You've got you at the youngest and you've got somebody who's, you know, in college or whatever and everything in between. Yep. And so you're saying you were just along for the ride, but let's assume you probably set out your uh, outfit for the day, right? Wouldn't you have said like, that's my favorite shirt, so I'm gonna wear it on, on picture day? Uh, I mean, I guess. I. Or maybe your mom would have said like, that's the, that's your nice like, you know, button up shirt, you gotta wear that First one. First of all, the, the, whole, the whole concept of setting out your outfit, I don't think I've ever done that. Like that's- Not ever? I, yeah. I'm not saying I did, I didn't usually do that, but I would say for something like class picture day or any kind of like, I don't know, a special event, that, or something that was going to happen first day of school you didn't like you know and i think what you mean by setting out your outfit now i'm just imagining depictions of this from from uh popular fiction of you know someone putting like specifically laying out their outfit on, yeah, on their right, bed right or the, on their on their let's floor. be specific the activity is you pull out a shirt and pants underwear socks you put it in a pile mm -hmm. on on you know top of your dress or your desk or something so that when you get up it's all right there, like a you know, like a like a packaged meal at the airport. You just open it up, there it is. So I I have never done that except in the past, let's say five to ten years as an adult. As an adult, and only the only times I do that are when I have an early morning flight, and I right. That's the adult version of and this situation where I I want to uh, you know super early morning flight. So I want to kind of and I don't want to disturb uh, my my husband sleeping and so i want to have everything those loud loud drawers yes well i want to have everything i don't want to be fumbling through drawers i want to have everything ready to go for me it's much more about not wanting to think about it well, than it is about both, not waking both. someone it's else. also time efficiency like i have more thought process the night before as i'm finishing packing than i do the next morning so i, I don't i know right. i know my sleepy morning uh self won't uh forget to wear socks right. or what have you 
Yeah, that that thing we all know. Well, that I, that's a bad example. But have you ever forgotten to wear socks? That's that, that was the, the in your life. That was the first thing. I, I no. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Where are these? How did I? I'm wearing shoes. Um, I do say I, I I will say that uh, dog walking during uh, quarantine. Um, I when I'm just wearing slippers in the in the apartment and not wearing socks. Yeah. When I f- switch from my f- slippers to my shoes to go outside and walk the dog, I will mm-hmm. often not have socks. If I'm not wearing, I'm, I won't put socks on to then put shoes on. Got it. Class pictures, though. One thing I remember from class picture day is they the 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 photographer uh, or the photography service that Fairfax County Public Schools in Fairfax County, Virginia, that they would hire just outside of DC, just outside of DC, uh, would, uh, hi- would they, they would bring or they would give you a comb, like they had a a thing of like those they had a box of disposable combs. a box of disposable combs, yes. and you would get in part of class picture days you'd get a it's comb, a very late eighties uh, vibe to yeah. it, yeah, and and some. <laughs> I remember this. And I remember really prizing those combs. And I would take it home, and I'd have that comb, and I'd use that comb. And it it was fun. And this was back when I had hair. You just... Oh, it wasn't a beard comb. No, it wasn't a beard comb. It wasn't. It wasn't. Here you go, eight-year-old Brian. Make sure that beard beard hair is straight. Yeah. I do recall several times... And you'd get the... um, I forget they call it like a contact paper. They'd call it it something where you'd get like a, a sample of the photos... They'd give you some... Yeah, a, like a proof sheet. A proof sheet, that's it. A proof sheet of some of the photos, and you would uh, get that, and then you'd from there, your parents would order... Uh, uh, you take them home, and they decide how many to order and whatnot. And it's from those right. that you could also then say, oh, no. And uh, so I, either your eyes were clo- <laughs> what if, what, your eyes were closed what or whatever. So there, there, I do recall... Did you get multiple... I don't remember getting multiple takes. Oh, though. yeah. we Well, not multiple, but you get... There was always a month later, a retake day for people who are sick. There or was people... always a retake day, which they still do that. I feel like it was a much more more regulated activity back then. It wasn't like, do do some research if you feel like it. It was more like if you were absent on the day or, you know, something went horribly wrong. Well, in my case, something went horribly wrong, I think, a, a lot of the times when it comes to... <laughs> like what? Like know, what could have gone a, wrong? A goofy smile, or I think I was, uh-huh. I was always uh, self-conscious about maybe my smile or my teeth or my hair, um... Uh, which I, you know, looking back at some of those photos, I'm like, oh my god, that hair is gorgeous. The beautiful the hair, beautiful head of head of hair, um, and also I think, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know, like I, the, do you ever like I haven't I, I can't recall the last time I saw one of my class photos. It's been some time, but do you ever look back at them and and just try to imagine what's going on behind the eyes of that that little that little eric i mean i i have some starting in about third grade i have pretty good memories like first person memories of being in certain circumstances and i can remember what my thought process was uh or or, you know my opinion about the situation i was in or, or what people were doing or not doing and i've tried to hold on to those in part to so that i have some kind of empathy for you know, being the parent of someone at that age, where it's like, in retrospect, my my opinion or at the time was was justified, but off and and rational, but oftentimes, but usually driven by incomplete information. So based on what I knew of the time or what I appreciated about the situation I was in, um, it it made total sense. But you know, with a big asterisk of like, yeah, but as an eight year old, you didn't 
understand this larger concern. And that's, you know, that's why your parents are doing that or whatever. Um, but I can, you know, I can remember, for example, one of the things, one of, one of the strongest, uh, this seems silly for it to be a, such a strong memory, but I remember they taught us sort of the basics of statistics in math class in something like fourth grade, maybe it was, maybe it was before that. It was just mean, median, mode, and range. And, but they taught it to us in a mechanical way, like here's a list of numbers and, you, and here's how you take an average, here's how you do, figure out the median, the mode. But it was a list of like seven numbers, so they have like a random list of seven numbers and you gotta do like, the range is the largest minus the smallest. And I remember being like, yeah, I get it. Like this is not, the mechanics here are not complicated. But I was infuriated that I was being asked to do this because they didn't, I didn't hear, I, I was about to say they didn't tell us, but but who knows. Um, why? Why does this matter? Mm. And what's weird is because it only really matters once you get enough numbers, uh, you know, an N of a size that's where, where these aggregate statistics are meaningful, right? The idea of, of statistics of, are, 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 are such an important concept, but you can't teach it with seven numbers. <laughs> like that's that's just crazy. It's like yeah, let's look at the let's look at the the mode, the most you know the idea of the most common or the or the you know the middle one or whatever. Like these are really critical ideas, but they taught it in such a what I considered such a backwards way that I still have an acute memory of this infuriation that they were I was being forced to do this seemingly meaningless like you know math uh, cartwheels. I'm still getting worked out. <laughs> I, about I mean, it. wow. Okay. I, yeah. We really tapped into yeah. something here. Now, the the to, I, so much so that I know that I've told this anecdote on this podcast before. Like this, really, this is not. Yeah. I mean, I have. I probably have like twelve memories, and I and I I purport to have a, a rich, a rich tapestry of of uh, childhood experiences. But but in reality, it's uh, it may be a, a more limited set of anecdotes. But anyway, yes. What, what's the average number of anecdotes you think you have? I don't know. I can probably tell you the the, the median okay. uh, anecdote length, but not the. Uh, but the, so, is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, I, I think I would just want to take play devil's advocate. Is this the mode that we're in? Look, I thought you'd have a bigger range than that. Uh, what percentage of people care? No zero. Uh, zero zero point zero. It's a null set. Uh, the the I want to play devil's advocate for how statistics was taught to you as a fourth grader. Okay. Sure. Um, because I actually think having people do the mechanics of it with seven numbers makes a lot of sense if you're dealing with fourth graders. It would have made sense and if they had told a story first about statistics, right? If you had said, here's what this thing can do. You've, are you familiar with the, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this, but the, you know, it's the idea of like, you talk to three craftspeople and you say, you say two, three, three bricklayers, and the first one you say, "What are you doing?" He says, "Well, I'm putting these bricks in a line and, and putting mortar between them." And he asks the second one, he says, "Oh, well, I'm building a wall. Um, you know, I'm, I'm creating this wall here." And he asks the third one, and and he looks up and he says, uh, "I'm, I'm, you know, I'm building a cathedral." And so it's this idea of like, on what scale do you see your um, the consequences of the work you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Do you just see it as this like mechanical thing, or do you see it as contributing to like the town's cathedral, right? Um, and what I was looking for, or what I think, what I think was missing, was the reason bricklaying is important is because it because it enables the cathedral to exist. But all they were saying is, put the brick down, put the mortar on, put the brick down, so, put the mortar on. And I'm like, what the? Why? Okay. What are we doing so I think, here? I think that's fair. So let's let's separate these these things out so that you um, you are 
as as a fourth grader, you were hungry for the broader story, the broader narrative. And I, w- I would agree that. And can, well, I would say just just reasoning. I I I, the, I well the broader it, context. To, to, so what does this all add right. up to? Yes. Um, and maybe the actual tactics through which they did it, as far as here are seven numbers and calculate it now, was probably the right. Uh, were probably the right tactics, right? They're probably that may have right. I'm not saying that that as an exercise shouldn't exist or, right. or is the wrong exercise, it, but it was it was just context free, right? But but it's that con. It's, so it's the and I, I think that's and that's something Tim and I talk about a lot too. Like in education, uh, growing up, th- there was a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of just going through the mechanics and not going through the context, and I think the context yes. um, is so important. And I, I and I think the way you put it earlier, you know, what's the broader story here? I think there's a narrative that can often be lacking, especially with um, non-narrative subjects like math and and other things, right? You know, so that you right because the narrative is what can you do with this? What good is it? Now, having been on the other end as a let's say a parent teaching teaching um, our son. Uh, it is oftentimes the case where there isn't really a way to describe the point of something w- without them understanding some component parts. It's almost like you kind of need to understand like A and B and C before we can get to kind of why this matters, at least to some degree. So, but part of that is, in that case is, I, or at least the tactic I've taken is, you need to say to the student, okay, I'm going to ask you to do some things that aren't going to make sense at first, but trust me, we're going somewhere with this. And so you've got to kind of spend a little bit of your, your like personal credibility to, to ask them to cut, to follow you blindly a little bit. And so I think that's part of what it is that I was uh, offended by as a kid is like, you're just asking me to do these mechanics and I don't trust that you're leading me somewhere meaningful or useful. Mm. It just feels like chores. It feels like, like just busy work when there is a story in retrospect, like the, the the irony of this particular anecdote is with statistics is one of the few things, I don't know about the few things, but like compared to lots of other bit, things you learn in math, like statistics has a, has a so what. It has a, a story, a narrative. Uh, it has such a, such a thing that could have been told. Yeah. An applicability to your daily life yes. in a way that you might yes. not realize. And uh, applicability to you. It's a thinking tool. Well, also it's, it's, a, it's a tool for you to uh, be you know, a, a thoughtful person, but also a thoughtful citizen, right? Uh, a thoughtful sure. participant in society is you need to understand statistics and for your own sake and understand when other people are using or misusing or manipulating statistics to uh, manipulate you. That's right. So it makes, as you want to be as a, as a voter, as a citizen, uh, as a consumer, um, uh, as an employee, as a manager, all those, right, you want to be able to cut through um, the, the the noise and be able to, uh, to ascertain. So do you, ha- don't you have, uh, you know, what's your, ver- surely you have a version of the of these kind of memories, these like acute situations you were in around that age where you were, I mean, oftentimes they're associated with, with strong uh, emotions. You know, yeah. you in my case, it was like, you know, feeling uh, enraged or, or frustrated or whatever it is. So I think some people complain that in certain subjects like take history where, oh, it's just about memorizing uh, facts and figures, dates and things like that. And when yeah. when that becomes when, when things are reduced to those uh, kind of core elements, um, then then uh, you're not going to hold on to that, that knowledge. Right. It, 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 we are we are storytelling. Yeah, I think that's the case for for yes. everything. So I, I think I said, we're storytelling 
animals, right? So that we respond to stories. And so I, I think teachers that, that have been successful at reaching me over time have, have been teachers that have effectively, um, you know, conveyed the knowledge, conveyed the information through a story, uh, whether it's history or English or uh, science or math. Um, and I think there have been sometimes, and I'm, I'm also much more of a, uh, a visual learner and a visual sense maker. And so when I remember, I remember once in, I think it must've been seventh grade. And I think it was like a pre-algebra uh, class, maybe it was algebra, um, where we ended up watching at one point some like old Disney cartoons. I remember it had like Donald Duck or Daffy, one of those ducks in it. You, you mean actual Disney? Yeah, but it was like an educational film, and there of some sort. It wasn't a film. It was it was like an like a uh, you know something about Pythagorean theorem or something. Like, and they just but they visualized it in a way that things clicked for me in a way that just mm. listening to my teacher and going over formulas and reading the textbook it didn't. And so okay. uh, I, I do recall some like when I've had breakthrough moments in my education about when things have really coalesced for me, they've tend to be when things are either very, um, you know, compelling stories that I can understand or compelling visuals, um, so or ideally me, both. This, this reminds me of something that I was reading about recently, where there are some people who have, who lack the ability to picture things in their head or more specifically, there's a very, wide spectrum there's an interesting twitter thread from that i was reading from somebody who self uh reports not really being able to picture things in her head like she's like i can do it with a lot of effort but like so for example she she posted Wait, i, I uh, literally i literally can't picture somebody not being able to I, picture i know i know i am also head. a very visual i use i use visualization and, and, and my visual sense um imaginative visual sense that i struggle to imagine what lacking this would be would be like just as much as lacking actual sight would be like what would it really be like to be blind only it's almost more so because it's like you can close your eyes and, and imagine not having a sense of sight it's hard for me to close my mind's eye nevertheless she said if you say picture an apple and then she was like which of these and she showed her a spectrum from like a photorealistic apple to a slightly less one to a more impressionistic one to kind of a ch child's drawing to like this basic like blob of red and she was like for me it's the it's the it's the the last one it's this like this this like she's like i have to i have to work really hard to picture anything in in specifics and she's like i can do it if i see if i've seen it before if i have a visual memory of it i can hold it in my head with effort but as soon as i stop you know putting effort into it it just kind of evaporates and so her brain this particular person on twitter um and she's a very sophisticated um person with lots of thoughtful insight and so on she her brain functions in a way that's different than mine, that's significantly different than mine. Um, and all that makes me think is, well, that's just one difference that I consider pretty significant. Surely there are lots of other ones. So you said we're storytelling creatures, which I think is true, but not for everybody. I'm sure for some people that's not compelling or it is compelling. Same with visual, same with, I mean, this is the idea of teaching styles, but I think it's a more, it's a more nuanced thing than that. Which is like, which is why when you put a group of people together, it's tricky to teach a group of people. Right. The way a, uh, you know any one student engages with the available educational interface is going to be very different. Right. That's why personalized learning is, is such a hot topic among some education funders or education researchers, and uh, it's it's still tricky. Right. I think there's a lot of nuance to it. Um, 
Well, at a, at a minimum, it's like just recognizing the fact that, and I think good teachers throughout history have always done this, which is recognizing the fact that people are different and, you know, the thing you do is not going to be um, received the same way. So you're, you're inevitably going to have, you know, the light's going to go on for different students in different ways. Right. And the lights are going to go on during the school picture day in front of that, that photo backdrop uh, for students in different ways. It's a really good photo backdrop. Did you ever have the fake books? No, never the fake books, but my favorite, and do they still do this? This was definitely done in the 80s and into the 90s. The lasers in the backdrop? I don't, I have no idea. What? I've never seen, I've never seen the lasers. You're joking. I'm really not. No, we only have ever had, we mostly had just like sort of generic, um, sort of monochrome, you know, yeah, like a gray, gray back, gradient. Yeah, or but whatever. then they would have like laser. It was it, not real lasers. <laughs> I know what the word lasers means, but no. why can't? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't mean they brought in. <laughs> what are you talking? They didn't about? bring in like a smoke screen. A smoke. It a, wasn't like real lasers, but it, you're saying it's it's a photo of it, a like laser. The backdrop. Design. The backdrop would be like a like for everybody. Yeah, it would be like a muted gray, and then with uh-huh. like these like streaks of like purple or green lasers really? behind. Oh yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome! No, we I, we never had that. Oh my gosh, yeah. I feel like that's like a trope of like eighty school pictures. Was I the, mean, it might be. It feels more nineties than eighties. Well, I I think like, late eighties, uh, you know, late eighties, uh, early nineties. Neon. Remember when neon uh, was a thing? Became a thing? Yeah. It was one of the first trends or first fads that I recognized. It was like everything is neon, <laughs> including class picture day backdrops. Apparently. All right. What's the next topic? Finales. Finales. That's the topic. Are we talking uh, television finales? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's sort of what I've been picturing. Okay, not life finales. I mean, what would you call a life finale? What, what's happened in your life where you've said, and that was the finale? Uh, graduations, um, retirement parties. I don't know. Again, it still it seems like a stretch. It seems like a metaphor, you know? It seems like that's a, yeah. It's a the finale, I think, is is inherent to a television season or series right? yeah i think that's fair that's just making sure i, I was buying time to clarify mm-hmm. the contours of our topic no, I, yeah I, i'm familiar are you, are you familiar with this this uh this kind of podcasting this, this uh, tactic uh, tactic i use um so finales. finales so um finales are interesting in an era of on-demand streaming services yes because, I agree. It, it it does change the so I think we have nature. to we have to kind of talk pre streaming on demand where shows get released all at once, um, and post that reality. Um, okay. And it's it's also interesting where you have uh, streaming services or content providers like HBO who still uh, release episodes one at a time, um, and Netflix that does them all at once and. Uh, Those they, are two pretty different choices. Right. And so I would say with, uh, I would say for the, the Netflix or for those that kind of provide the content all at once, I think that uh, finales are less, uh, they're, they're, they're less of an event, right? Because people do it on their own time. And it's kind of like you have some window of time to Yeah, it, cha- it changes it, it from a finale to, to like an ending. Correct. Like the, en- like the ending of a movie matters, but it's not the same thing as a finale. Yeah. Finales and endings are two different things. Right. And I and think it sounds like what you're saying is when, when Netflix drops um, an entire season, even if it's a very large season, um, you know, it's 12 episodes of a one hour show or whatever. That's like, you know, that's like a gigantic amount of content. And yet it's different than if it's the HBO 
uh, finale of a se- of a series that has been released one at a time over the course of months or years. Yeah. So when, whenever um, things are talked about in the pre-streaming uh, on-demand uh, release model at once era, uh, they, they always talk about the numbers and the Nielsen ratings for the the big classic ones over time. Whenever, whenever you're talking about are, the big finale, like historically the big finales. Yeah. So it's like the last episode of Mash. I think right. Was the, Same, yeah, uh, Mash, Cheers, Cheers, Seinfeld, Seinfeld um, Friends, even um, right, and. And you know, it's one of those things where be, back in the time of appointment television, you knew where you were during those moments. Because it was a synchronous thing. We all watched the finale of Seinfeld at the time when it aired. Yeah, that's when it that's when it happened. Yeah, uh, or the you know the finale of a competition, a reality show competition, where people are right. watching it and tweeting about it. It has, it has a similar uh, vibe to like a Super Bowl or some other kind of like live sporting event where that the liveness is part of it. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I really like that. There is something about the communal experience that I, I really dig and that, can I say dig? Is that a, I mean, I can. <laughs> sort of answer are you looking for? I know. I don't know. Like, should I, should yeah, I? daddy-o, you can say dig. So it's, 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 I do feel connected to that cultural moment in a way that I, um, uh, I What's really like. What's the most recent finale that you feel like has any not not necessarily the same but similar gravity well, how far back do we have to go well no like i think game I think, of thrones i think game of thrones um yeah there, there was uh so there recently but again hbo is not it is not a not is does it the other does the traditional model it does a traditional model and but they and and yes they're a, a, a elite or a premium uh, uh brand if you will uh but so it's not the same as like a network uh, series finale, but it it still had a huge audience and one of the most watched finales of of recent time. In very Are you recent finale, finale. Sometimes I say finale. Keep going. Is it finale? Always finale. I've only ever heard it as finale. I'm I'm only bringing it up because one of us is wrong, and these are these are these are fun situations to find ourselves in. Yeah, um, I have next to zero confidence mm-hmm. in uh my being right on this matter okay i i would have assumed i'm right but like isn't that everyone's but, assumption well, right i i i think if we're going on what i have no confidence in um my my uh I, i'm not saying it's not finale i'm saying right. it can be both finale and finale right you're suggesting it's 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 alternative valid alternatives yeah but I'm not so, and I'm not so sure. <laughs> but but it, let, let's create a world in which both of those are 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 um, are allowed. Yeah. Okay. Fair. For the purposes of our discussion. So, uh, recently, to give a network example of a season finale, uh, was uh, Modern Family, and okay, now, which is I, I've only ever seen like one or two episodes of that, but I understand it's very popular. Very popular, and Tim and I actually got into Modern Family. Um, in a big way and like we we really we would watch it every week uh uh for for years or not every week but we we, we were pretty it was probably regularly. it was probably our only if you will network show that we would regularly watch and we kind of lost track of it and and maybe more recent years and then when i just caught wind across the cultural transom that they only had like five episodes left and then they're they're uh you know had their series finale I, w- I was like oh you know i was i was a little bit sad yeah, um, I think that's part of what makes it. Um, 
I think this is why you jump to like retirements and stuff as as a analog is that it is a planned end of something, and that's part of what gives it some some weight. Yeah, and and, and a series finale that happened um, in the past maybe year or two was uh, Big Bang Theory, that okay. I actually didn't watch, um, but I didn't watch. I actually the didn't finale. know that that had. I didn't know that that had ended. Had ended. Uh, yeah, it it had ended. But the funny thing is, it was. Tim and I watched that for many years as well, and almost it, it started on a lark. It, it started because the the showrunner for that, the executive producer, is Chuck Lore, and I had read. I mean, not to not to make, put too fine a point on it. I'm pretty sure it's Chuck Lorre, but for <laughs> I'd like to create a world where both pronunciations are valid. So it's Chuck Lorre. I have never heard his name. I've only read it. Carry on. Wow. Wow. Okay. Can we fix this up in post or nope? It's you're, it's going to go as there's is. a yeah. There's a there's a filter you can you can apply in post production. Is, is it the Brian the, slash George W. The, Bush filter? It's it's like a auto tune, but for pronunciations. I hate to tell you that you know I didn't agree with George W. Bush's politics uh, in many ways, um, or or a, a lot of aspects of, of him or his presidency. But one thing I was very sympathetic to was his malapropisms. Mm-hmm. I was I was sympathetic too. It just seems like a guy you'd want to have a beer with. Nope, nope. Uh, back to Chuck Lorre. Chuck Lorre. Um, Chuck Ch- Lore. Chuck Lore. Uh, Tell us about Chuck Lore's finales. Well, I read a. I'm going to get like middle brow pretentious on you, but so I, I read a New Yorker profile of him, mm-hmm. um, and because he he's the guy behind uh, several hit. Um, uh, sitcoms over the years um and yeah it, it, he and like greg daniels are responsible for like 40 all the tv yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but he uh and in it he they, they he said his formula for sitcoms what makes a great sitcom is that the the characters are friends of yours that you get to know that don't change over time so the not changing is is an important part of it. Yeah, and they they, they, they maybe in the grand arc of a ten year ten season run, there might be some mild changes. But the, it's like you check in with oh there there's our Sheldon still right. still there, Sheldon. There's our reliable, um, like you said, friends of ours. Uh, these these what am I going to say? It's it's these the characters. That, yeah, it's those reliable characters that haven't changed, but that you enjoy seeing. Yeah, and. Actually, so this is actually a good good distinction, just getting back to our overall topic of finales, uh, is the distinction between a narrative um, a narrative series like Game of Thrones oh, yeah, and, and, and a an sitcom. Episodic series. And episodic. Yeah. So so and that's I think a narrative uh, series like, like Game of Thrones is there's a lot riding on it because you really have to nail the landing. Mm-hmm. And an episodic series like a sitcom uh, is very gets very emotional because I was going to say it's much more of an emotional task than a narrative task. Right. Because there, there, you know, there's always like the, the two main characters finally get married or what have you or right, whatever, whatever happens. Um, well, you're going to resolve the, well, from what I think needs to happen is you resolve the tension that has driven the entire series forward. I never watched right? the show, how I met your mother, but I, I recall reading about in the final episode, they revealed who, uh, who it was, right? Right. So that that's probably one where it's it, the most explicit. You know, it's in the title of the of the show. And when they, from what I read, because we that's speaking of how you guys had watched Big Bang Theory, Jess and I watched 
How I Met Your Mother at the time when it was the maybe not the whole series, but maybe the tail end the last couple of years. Hmm. And from what I had read, they the creators of the show had this this overall concept, and they're like, well, we know kind of the conceit of the show would be, you know, it's called How I Met Your Mother. That's the that's the story you're telling, this long story, as if you're telling it to your children. And then they had this idea for what the finale would be, right? It's like, yeah, so they kind of had this idea of like, here's season one, here's what the final season would be, and we can make it as long as we need to just by by doing things in the middle. Interestingly, they had this idea, spoiler alert, for, uh, what's his name, the main character, to end up with Robin at the end via this mechanism. The, pro- the problem was, what they hadn't considered was how successful or how beloved the relationship between Robin, who's supposed to be the 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 reveal at the end with um it's barney what's his name uh neil patrick harris thank you uh neil patrick harris's character so in the middle just as a way of like having more plot points in the series they had the two of them get together thinking like okay well they'll get together and they won't and then whatever and it's just it's just an inter interesting thing in the middle but the problem is it's stuck like they they did it too successfully Mm -hmm. they like they got these two characters together and it felt like an earned relationship. And so they're like, oh, okay. So for the purposes of the overall narrative, we have to pull, we have to break this apart so that we can have the original ending we planned on. But it almost made it worse. Where it's uh-huh. like, wait, you 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 kind of tore down the the thing that, that that they earned in the middle to do this, to do what feels a little bit hollow toward the very end. Anyway, hmm. it was an interesting situation to they, find yourselves in where they painted themselves the, into a corner. They kind of painted themselves into a corner where it's like, well, even though you had this original plan, you know things don't turn out the way you think they will. And so most of the time, they create the series without necessarily an idea of like where it's going to go. They have an idea of how it starts. And then they and then eventually they figure out a way to stick the landing given where it ended up, right? Whereas here, it's like they plan it from the beginning to have an ending, but nevertheless, you still you can still paint yourself into a corner. Like there's no, I feel like there's no silver bullet. There's no way to avoid the hard problems of getting the finale right. Yeah. But back to Chuck Lorre or Lore, so in this, this this pretentious New Yorker article profile of him, where he mentioned you know the great thing about his insight about sitcom characters, um, they also the the writer had gone to the set of The Big Bang Theory, and okay. uh, noted that they would um, that that the audience the live audience uh, was genuinely enthusiastic and was oh, th- th- there was evidently and this is what they claimed in the article at that time I don't know if it changed uh, they didn't use a laugh track and. That, I think that's the case with a lot of, like, how I met, going back to How I Met Your Mother, weirdly, that's a show where, I believe this is true, they didn't shoot it in front of a live audience. It was too complexly edited for them to do that. Like, it wasn't enough, like, a stage play to actually be coherent in front of a live audience. So they basically, like, paused for laughs and then filled in laughter. Mm. And so it's it's got this sort of, I don't know, sort of uh, clinical quality to it where it's like, yeah, there's laughter, but it's not, it doesn't have the creakiness or that's the wrong word it doesn't have the imperfections or the it doesn't feel like it's in front of a live audience hmm. it feels a little bit too manufactured have you and, seen have you seen that youtube video uh where they take out the applause lines and the and the laugh track for and i've actually saw it for how i'm uh, for uh big bang big theory. bang theory and it's yeah. there's just like these very long awkward pauses and you're like this yeah. is not how anybody would ever communicate in real life yeah it's 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 a uh, it's very sort of alien yeah um, so the, back to Big Bang Theory, that, that they, they said that they would do multiple takes of the same joke or the same line just to get it right. And the audience, even after four or five 
takes of the same punchline would still laugh just as uh, vigorously as, as it, right. it did. And, and so I was like, this is very interesting. So I said, hey, after I read this article, I said, hey, Tim, I'm going to uh, set on the DVR to record this show, Big Bang Theory. Um, and he was like, okay. And so just to try, because I just, I'd never seen it. I, and so I was like, I just read this article. I wanted to see it. And we both really liked it. And I, I was, uh, you know, surprised that I liked it as much as I did because you know I, I think um, I had grown uh, to, to to be mildly dismissive of um, network produced, broadly appealing uh, films in front of a live studio audience sitcoms. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, I'll give me your Thirty Rock or your Parks and Rec uh, or your Office, but uh, I was skeptical of the kind of classic three camera uh, sitcom. Um, right. Anyway, and we became huge fans over the years. But then, for whatever reason, we petered out as well, and we just stopped watching it. And we didn't—I <laughs> don't think we watched the last season at all, so we never saw the finale. Um, but I—I I do like that those characters still exist out there, right? That they—that um, you can kind of check in. That's why—that's why reruns work so well for some of these shows, because you can return to these friends that you came to know years ago and no, they're still we, we still watch um parks and rec because we watch it with the kids and so it's like it's it, we've watched it enough now that they know, they've seen all the episodes and they and they recognize them and have favorites and so mm. it's but it's it's reassuring in that same way where like oh we want to watch the harvest festival episode or the galentine's day episode or whatever it is and so it's these it's these characters that are you know it's 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 comfort food it's it's like a tv version of comfort food mm. What's, what's funny is I realized leading up to Game of Thrones when new seasons would come out, uh, we would rewatch some aspects or some seasons here and there. Like the previous season or, maybe, or something else? I think I even, yeah, maybe, especially after one one there's one time there was a huge gap in between, maybe two years in between seasons. So I think we caught up even more than that. And I think I was so dissatisfied, you know, this is not a unique or uh, unpopular opinion, uh, but with the, the series finale, um, that I have no real interest in going back to the series at any time I, soon. I think that I think there is a hundred percent a way to have it to have that happen, where it's almost like if you don't get the ending right, it retroactively yeah ruins everything else. Because part of what you loved in the beginning was the potential, right? The idea of like, okay, this could go different ways, but you want them to be satisfying. And then when it's not, it's like, well, now we know that that promise remains unfulfilled. Well, and it's also interesting, I think, the thing about Game of Thrones that was so annoying uh, and frustrating about the, the finale is that, the, 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 the especially with, uh, um, what's her name? Uh, the dragon queen. Daenerys. Daenerys that it, it felt to me like an unearned major character shift. Yes. Uh, uh, that seems to be the core of the problem. Right. Is that it's not that she can't go bad. It's that she needs to go... It's that whatever change, because she's one of the, like, arguably the main character, but one of the main characters, any change of that size needs to be earned. And right. it wasn't. And they, they only said it in, like, the director's commentary or, like, the inside the episode, you know, with the, the two showrunners. They, they said, oh, that one look after that one episode when she, like, uh, burned down um, uh, uh, the, uh, the city, King's Landing. Uh, they said, oh, she turned back and she looked at the Red Keep and she thought 
about how she had been wronged time and time again, and that's when she decided to burn it down. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're putting a lot. No, yeah, you're, yeah. A, well, a fundamental. You're, you're, you're retroactively packing a lot into that look. Yeah. The the proof is in the reaction. Yeah, and it just and and the the audience has told you whether or not your editing choices, your direction, whether that that look successfully delivered the message, and the answer is no, it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's I think the the thing that I'm now frustrated with Game of Thrones why. I have two two theories. One is, I don't want to go back and rewatch any kind of uh, scripted series or what, what is a narrative series. Okay. Um, uh, because it's like, well, I already know where it's going. I already know the ending. I'm not that interested. But I okay. am interested in going back to episodic shows and rewatching those, like Parks and Rec or Thirty Rock or The Office. Because because each thing you're watching is more self contained. Yeah, yeah, and it's these familiar characters. Um, so that's well, one but reason you could have familiar characters in a in a drama. That's true, but uh, maybe, maybe. So how do you feel about an episode of Law and Order? Well, does it have to be comedy versus drama, or does it have to be episodic versus? I forget what the other word is. It's not narrative, but it, let's say narrative. It's uh, episodic versus serial. serial. Yeah, that's what it uh, is. We got there at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so, Law, give me another one besides Law and Order because I'm not sure if I'm. Um, that's not a good one for me. To... Uh, maybe ER maybe or something. ER. The thing, the thing is, well, there's all the procedurals. There's like, what is it? Uh, CSI, NCIS. You know, I've never um, seen an episode of any one of those. Oh, is that right? Any, it literally, yeah. I've never well, seen it, any. It's all, it's all like mystery of the week, right? It's like something happens and they got to figure out what happened. And then at the end, they get the bad guy. They don't, or, you know, it's like, that's it. That's the whole story. And so in the same way that in a in a sitcom, yeah, you might have characters that eventually get married or move or whatever, and you have kind of these arcs and, and things that change. For the most part, each episode's self-contained. So yeah. those are just sort of the drama versions of, of so, that. So I so I wonder if it's I there, there this is part of me is like I just maybe I'm not interested in rewatching dramas, right? Versus okay. uh, comedies. Um and so that could be it. But I, I think it's also based on the I'm not interested in rewatching serials versus um episodic so because i was thinking of uh veep which is one of my all-time mm. favorite comedies yeah, but, but that's but that's serial but that's serial and right. i i love it i've, I've gone I've, I've rewatched a few episodes here and there just you know happenstance but i and i love it so much but i it's like well i know where it's going and for some reason i'm just not interested even though it, you right. could, it's it's i feel like i should it's like shame on me because it's highly rewatchable because there are so many jokes per per minute uh, yeah but that but that's not the thing you're getting hung up on you're not like oh we're in a joke desert that's not the problem yeah the rewatchability is some other factor that you're talking that you're talking about yeah so what is the rewatchability what if you're watching something and you don't know where it's going because you know you're watching the latest episode Part of what makes the episode interesting to watch is this is the tension or is the is the suspense of where the series as a whole is going, and you're getting one more brick in the wall. But once the whole wall has been built, you know each individual brick it, it doesn't hold the same interest anymore because you can look at the whole, you can look at the whole the piece as it were. Mm. So instead of each each thing sort of like having its each episode having its time to shine as the latest. Um, component of the whole once the whole is complete each individual you know uh, piece doesn't have as much weight on its own whereas in an episodic series 
they were built to be stand on their own and have it's as if okay so there's a delta basically between how much interest can an episode hold when it's new versus how much episode can it hold it's like how shelf stable is the episode Mm. and so when it's new it's the it's the flagship episode it's the vanguard it's the it's the it's the tip of the spear it's the you know what i mean it's it's the new one it's the new it's it's the youngest kid in the family right yeah so everybody in the family gets to be the youngest kid in the family at some time but all but eventually you know basically nobody except the youngest is the youngest and even they grow up and they stop being the baby as, as present company included yeah I'm, I'm, i am the youngest of my family right but you're not but you're no longer like the baby of the family right so in the in the sense no, of so family it's like <laughs> so in the, in the sense of a family like okay you have a, you have a family of seven kids Okay, so you have seven babies in a row, and every time you have a new baby, it's like, wow, a new baby, and it it holds everyone's attention because babies are babies. But then eventually, it's just like, oh no, now we have just the Walsh family, and it's like, look, it's a bunch of people, and so it's like you can go back to you know whatever, Timmy, and say like, hey, remember when you were the baby? And he's like, yeah, that was great, but that's not really the case anymore. Like, <laughs> that's, right, wait, so, that's not his role anymore. Right, so bring this back to uh, so to shows. so with serial episodes, it it's kind of like they. The delta between when you're new and when the whole is complete is much bigger for serials than it is for episodics. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like for, for an episodic series like Friends, Friends had a huge finale, but each episode is, a, is, an, is an episodic, is an episode in an episodic series. So, you know, there's a beginning, middle and end of each episode. So you can watch one, some random episode from the middle of the series of season, whatever, and it has not changed how 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 much weight it has hasn't changed because it's not like you were excuse me it's not like you were building to a giant thing overall anyway that's the reason there's a delta is because tv series that are serials have a greater ambition so they're trying to build to something big in the first place that's their that's what they're getting at is uh, let's build a big thing so that means by definition each each brick gets its time in the sun to mix Mm. a couple metaphors but then after the whole is complete it's like okay behold this this thing we've created, this multi-season story. Each individual series, it's like, okay, well, you kind of have to like keep that whole in mind as you're enjoying each episode. Whereas the episodics, it's like, well, we don't have the same grand ambition, but each episode is more shelf stable. Mm. And it's gonna like it's just gonna last longer because the whole is done, Ross and Rachel get together or whatever. It doesn't really Spoiler. take away from yeah. It doesn't really take away from some random episode in the middle because the purpose of that middle episode wasn't necessarily just to build two Ross and Rachel getting together. It was to just kind of serve on its own as, as an episode, as an episode in this series. And yeah, maybe it does or doesn't further the Ross and Rachel uh, arc, but it doesn't matter either way. Right. So what would be interesting to, to look at uh, and to research is uh, series finales uh, of episodic shows, friends, uh, uh, how i met your mother all those right probably right. have the the finale is generally the most watched of all time right it has the highest sure. ratings um but i wonder if over time they if you add up rewatches they might cumulatively become the least watched compared to all the episodes because i think for, right. for episodic shows uh i think people rarely rewatch the finale finale you're saying the the, the finale doesn't make doesn't matter as much I, I think you're right. So that's a very interesting, right? Because we, I am much more interested in watching middle episodes of these shows I rewatch all the time yeah. than getting all the way through the final season and watching the final episode of the final season. Yeah. Like that's, that's fine, but that's not really the purpose. The purpose is to just enjoy 
kind of being in the middle of the lake, right. not, not to reach the edge. Right. The only thing I remember about the final episode of the American office was when Michael came, and I don't even know, I forget, there was some kind of wedding or there was something, I forget even, I, I, I don't remember all the beats of, of the, the story, but they had Michael come back and uh, Dwight said to him, Michael, I'm so glad you came. And he said, that's what she said. And it was like the best. That's what she said of right. It's of it's the it's the it's right. It's the yes. But I, I, uh, but in some ways, I don't want to rewatch that because I want to forget the episode that wraps up the whole series. Because if I want to go back to it, I want to go back into the middle and rewatch those episodes. And oh, the, okay. So that, and forget this is a, this that is a they, fine... to forget that they end. This right. I think you've hit upon a, a better version of this theory. There's a epi- episodic series are more timeless, whereas serial series have a have a the beginning and the end of the series is much more important to the existence of the series. Hmm. It's sort of like the difference between a perennial and an annual flower. Hmm. Like like a like an annual is like here it is. You get one season with it, and that's it. Yeah. Whereas a perennial is like, well, no, these these bulbs are going to come back every year, for, kind of forever. And whereas, so these episode episodic series are kind of like perennials. They just sort of like, well, you can kind of enjoy them anytime, forever. Hmm. Whereas, like, if you're going to participate in rewatching a serial, you're really like, okay, you are somewhere in this ballistic trajectory between when it started and when it's going to end, and part of what makes this thing interesting is that overall trajectory. Yeah. That's really interesting. So the, 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 the other series I want to mention, which had a recent finale, did you, I forget if you guys watched uh Schitt's Creek. No, Ugh. It, it's delicious. And it's, I'm so, okay. I'm almost, I'm jealous of you that you have right, it. Cause we can do it for the first time. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being uh, a serial in a way versus episodic. Uh, there was an arc and it was always, I'm not sure if it's always, but they definitely had it planned out to some degree in the different beats of the journey. It's a, a much much more akin to Veep um, mm. than to The Office, um, and that doesn't. And it's 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 so recently it just it just uh, the final uh, just aired in the past month. Um, but I I wonder if I'm gonna if it's going to become like an Office where I'll be happy to go back to the middle episodes repeatedly, or if it's going to become more like uh, Veep, which I really love, but don't want to, don't feel the need to go back into the middle episodes. Right. So I'm, I'm just curious because I, I really like Schitt's Creek right now is, is, is one of my all time favorite shows. Hmm. Um, Interesting. But, and it's along that, with Veep. Just out of curiosity, is that one where it's good from the beginning or it's like you kind of have to watch the first season and then it gets good in season two? It gets better um, in season two and beyond. Um, but you need to watch from the beginning because the beginning, uh, the, especially the first several episodes, is they're setting up these characters and right. they're they're setting the table, they're setting the stage, you know, for what's going to come. No. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not suggesting like, oh, I, I would skip it. It's more like, when do you kind of get into what you love about it? I think it's in season two, but you have to watch season one. All right, that's. Um, I mean, that's not uncommon. That I would say that's probably more more common than than not. Right, and because of the, the first, it's it's very much the the premise of the show is very much fish out of water, and. Um, you you kind of need that season to 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 set that up and then in starting in season two and beyond you get much more into the emotional relationships between the different characters in a a deeper way um and they really 
you know, explore that uh, much more so than, oh, we're just, it, it's the, the fish out of water is always the running gag, but it's, um, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just so delightful. What's your favorite uh, series finale or finale of all time? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think the purpose of finale is to destroy the world that made the rest of the series possible, such that after the finale, you can't have that show anymore. Mm. Right? So if, if, you know, in, in any series, for it to continue on, there has to be a... So one example of this is uh, the show Frasier, mm. I think had a very good finale because the beginning of the series is he moves from Boston to Seattle and it's the interactions between him and his brother and his dad who, who recently injured himself and, you know, all, and, and the, they hire, you know, Daphne character and, and so on. And then at the end, in the finale, he moves away and his dad has since gotten married and, uh, you know, the characters have changed to a point where he moves away. That, that story doesn't exist anymore. Because the story was about him being in Seattle with his family and, and their interactions. Mm. And so I feel like that's an important part of what makes the finale possible. So one of the things that I think, um, for example, I like the Parks and Rec finale in part because it does, it, you know, it does a kind of flash forward for all the main characters. And so you kind of get to see like where they end up. And it does this. So, so for each of the main characters, it does a flash. Some of the flash forwards are like, far into the future where they you know they they die of old age some are just a you know a couple years into the future where something meaningful happens Mm. but it it provides a sense of resolution of like here's the because you know that's another one of these characters where these these characters are all together working for this one agency and yes they go in lots of different directions over the course of the series but then it it you know it disperses Hmm. um i actually found the office finale I thought it was. I thought it it kind of worked, but the last two or three seasons or whatever without Steve Carell, I feel like the real finale is the episode where Steve leaves. Yeah, like that's kind of the finale of the show. And then there's this like bonus, you know, Saved by the Bell, the new class. Yes, sort of. Yeah, uh, like yes. like yeah, uh, where like you know most of the characters are there, but the heart is different. Yeah, uh, and I don't want to say it's gone, but it's just a different show. And one th- like Will Ferrell, one of the best comedic actors of of all time perhaps right definitely up there uh i generally like his work incredibly yeah, let me try that again i generally really like his work i did not like him in the office uh well yeah because it felt like stunt casting it yeah. felt like yeah if you know it, it, it's just part of what although i liked kathy was, bates as, as far yeah. as uh, stunt casting i'm not saying stunt casting is bad i just think that I think Steve and his performance of the Michael Scott character and, and how they found a character that really was an American version of the, that resonated with the American audiences the same way the Ricky Gervais character resonated with British audiences. Yep. Yep. And that's a hard, that's a, that's a tricky thing to do. And they, but they figured out this, this like kind of unique thing that Steve, a big part of that is his performance, his, his acting ability, his ability to mix, you know, sort of cringeworthy, you know, social uh, missteps with sort of like, you know, meaning well and having this kind of like hole in his soul that he's obviously trying to fill, but like in an awkward way, like there, there's some, so much of that is just him personally and the, his ability to do that performance. So when you take him out of it, it's like, well, you've got these characters and you've got this world, but you kind of, you kind of removed a critical piece of what makes it work as a, as a whole. Yeah. So I have, I have a question. What do you, what are your thoughts on reunion 
shows or reboots? That's that's a great question because to me those are closely related to the idea of finales, right? Because you bring this, and interestingly, The Office did kind of a version of that in in show, because the premise of the show is that they're making this documentary, and in the final one, you you flash forward a year from when the when the you know the the crew quote unquote stopped filming the documentary to when the documentary itself is is revealed. So you have this kind of like reunion, this like in-universe reunion show. I think reunion shows are like, um, uh, they're similar to high school or college uh, reunions mm. in that it's kind of fun to see everyone, but it's a, it makes you feel a little bit weird. It is in no way a replacement for actually being there at the time because it's not a time machine. Yeah. So I've even seen like just conversations between like the, I saw one recently of like the cast of Frasier happened to all be on like a zoom call and I, I forget the context, but you know, it was kind of weird to see yeah. them all cause they're older. And oh. one of the things about uh, like, did you see, for example, the show um, what's it called? It's called making it. It's the one where Amy Poehler and uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Jesus. Rod, Rod, uh, Rod Burgundy. It's not no, Ron Swanson. Rod, not Rod, Rod Swanson. Uh, no, uh, Nick Offerman, Nick Offerman are the hosts, uh, and uh, of of like a, this show where different you know crafters, crafters people yeah, super cra- cute. Are, are making something right. Okay, I like their puns. Well, well, sure, but you know, when Nick Offerman has a regular haircut rather than a Ron Swanson haircut and mustache, and when Amy Poehler is you know ten years older because she's ten years older, it's like oh, but I liked it when you guys were frozen in time. Right. <laughs> you know, it's so like funny. like that's part of what these shows are doing is it's providing this this comfort food this world that never changes as everything else changes and so reunion shows are a little bit of a splash of cold water so uh it was sometime in the past year i forget when steve carell i think it was steve carell hosted snl and okay. uh they had in his during his monologue they when he's taking questions from the audience it ended up being several members of the cast uh, uh, right and they would say hey steve uh, i heard there might be an uh, office reunion what are your thoughts on that and uh and he's like oh you know i don't think so it was a great show and you know let's leave it be um and then just more and more you know former cast members came up to pop up to say it and they would they would joke like i want to see that i need that money i need that office right. money steve let's right. make it happen steve and it was cute and then they they ended up uh when he, he said okay well we have a great show for you stick around we'll be right back you had all of them up on the stage and uh-huh. they played out the, the the band the snl band played out um the office theme song uh, oh, okay. as they cut to commercial and it was super cute and it was really fun and it was fun seeing these people up on stage together and that was about it i i, yeah. I don't i don't i don't think that's, all, I that's don't, enough that's enough the one that the, just saying that reminded me of one that i think did it perfectly which was the sort of faux seinfeld reunion in curb your enthusiasm oh i never saw that? that no okay so in one of the episodes of curb your enthusiasm the the plot is a seinfeld reunion and so they get all the like Jerry Seinfeld and, and uh, Julie Lee Dreyfus and and Michael Richards and uh, Jason Alexander all actually participate as fictional versions of themselves with Larry David as a fictional version of himself. Only like I forget I forget the details, but it's like Larry David now wants to play George. He, like he wants to be George in the in the and so it's you have Jason Alexander like trying to teach him how to do a George where where the George character is in, is a is a play on Larry David as right, a character. Right, right. So, but the point was. They got to like, and they got all the real sets back and they, they, so they did like all the work that you would do for it, but, yeah. but it's kind of done as a goof almost, yeah, or it's, yeah. that's not exactly right, but they do it without the, they're able to do, to do the fun part without the, 
um, pressure of it being like good. Right. Because I feel like there's almost no way to do it that's good. Right. The only way to do and it so, is is uh, a meta version of it like that. That's right. I think that's the better way to say it. The only satisfying version is a meta version because it's a meta activity anyway. Right. We're all in on the joke. So let's. Yeah. Right. And so there's no way to there's no way to go back in time. You know, you can go to your high school reunion. You can't go back to high school. You can just see these people again and like do the dances from when you were that era or listen to the music or, you know, go to the local bar. But you're just LARPing like there's no there's no way to go back in time. Right. And that, that gets back to high school reunion is the reunion episode of graduation being the series finale. That's exactly right. What's the next topic?